Hey, listen to the Excelsior podcast. My name is Casey. I'm a photographer, and I am today's guest with your host, Britley. Britley! Hi. Hi. Um, I am going to be supporting Britley's Patreon, and you should too. Uh, I'm going to be setting it up where uh, I'm going to be donating some prints uh, to the Patreon. And Britley has various um, amounts that you're able to give on a monthly basis, ranging between $1 and $20. Um, she's got some perks with that, and I'm throwing in some prints as well. So you're going to get some stuff from me uh, if you're a Patreon supporter. Um, thank you for supporting the Excelsior podcast as well. Um, Britley is is super stoked to be able to be doing this, and she couldn't do it without the uh, loyalty of her patrons. And with that, I am throwing an art show. I had my first one on April yeah. 30th. And I'm going to be throwing more art shows, hopefully once a month. Mm -hmm. And if you are a patron, you don't have to pay a cover to get in. Mm -hmm. And if you're a podcast guest, you don't have to pay a cover to get in. Yeah. Um, it's music, food, art, and a lot of fun. I don't know, Casey, was the last one fun? It was great. I mean, there was... So here, like, I have, I have very good standards for a party. Yeah. And it has to have food. Uh -huh. uh, free food. Free. And so, the, you know, and they had pizza luce pizza. There was free beer. Uh, there was uh, sparkling water, which I felt like was a very fancy touch to it as well. Um, so I really enjoyed my, my uh, experience with that. What about the music? That. Oh, the music was great, too. Oh, my gosh. Shout out, a, shout out to Ray. Yeah, having a live DJ for, a, like, Nate. a party like that Aaron, is, like, yeah. really awesome. It's, it beats any Spotify playlist you've spent two hours trying to set up. Yeah, so. I'm just really excited because every month it's going to be very different. Mm -hmm. So each party is going to be have a different theme and be very different. So um, yeah. I'm excited to continue and I'm excited for everybody to kind of come together, meet each other, artists, um, entrepreneurs, creative people of Minneapolis. Yeah. And I really hope that you like what I do and you become a patron as well. Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, so come meet me as well. But yeah. more importantly, enjoy come the free meet food. meet the guests yeah. in real life. Yeah. Um, more importantly, uh, definitely support Britley and what she's doing with this. It's a fun podcast. I'm happy to be part of it, and, and she just loves all the support that you can get for it. Yeah, thanks, guys. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Oh, my. Oh, yeah, you got this more than yeah. I got this. Oh, my phone. I knew that might ring. Um,. I suppose it's not important. Whatever you, whatever you feel. Hey. Oops, hello? Can't answer anymore. <laughs> she keeps calling and then I can't hear anything. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so I, hi Casey Carlson. Hi. I'm so excited that you're here. Me too. Oh, this is wonderful. Finally. Yeah, finally. finally. Well, okay, so I started the podcast as an Instagram Live, mm -hmm. and you were on my Instagram Live. Mm -hmm. You were, like, one of the first. Yeah. I mean... It was the, the Sunday morning coffee with Brit. Yeah. And that was the uh, predecessor to uh, Excelsior. Yeah. And so, and you've, you've upped your game. Like, there's actual microphones now. There yeah. is a studio. Like, the, before it was, like, just iPhones and, like, I'm going to call you at 8 o'clock. Yeah. Be ready. 8 a.m. That was the worst. <laughs> I know. Like, that, uh, you know, it I was a great. I did it, like, in the morning as It was too. a great concept. But, like, uh -huh. interviewing someone at 8 a.m. on a Sunday morning is probably the worst time you can talk to someone 
I feel. Mm. Um, especially after a long night of partying. Which we did. Quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I actually, um, which I don't do much anymore, mm-hmm. but um, I do know that the, the interview with Enrique, I felt so bad. I had to cut it short because I was, like, sweating <laughs> from the night before, and I, like, had anxiety, and I was like... Okay, well, that was a good talk, Enrique. Bye. And yep. he's like, "Why did you cut me off?" I was like, mm, "Sorry, <laughs> that was me. I that's didn't right. feel good." <laughs> well, and that's fine too, because I mean, like, you know, that's the beauty of like Instagram Lives is it gives you a really good um, kind of place to start doing yeah. things like that too, and learning the ropes and just being a, a place that people can t- tune into live and, yeah. and watch all that. And you'd saved a lot of them and put them on offline on your page too so people can watch back which is which is sweet yeah so yeah and i could have easily just re-recorded our conversation mm-hmm. on here and then just posted that but yeah. i didn't i had you in again oh freshy freshy I was just say so what am i doing here no. <laughs> well we have a lot to catch up <laughs> yeah. on that's old news right uh-huh. that's that's old news so that was like a couple years ago no that was like this summer no, that was like last year. That was like February of last year. Okay, so, so it was like a year ago. Yeah, let's yeah, let's not get sorry. crazy. If, like the last two years feels like ten. So yeah, I'm sorry. It, it does. <laughs> well, I'm glad because I don't want things to speed up. Yeah. But um, yeah. So I want to talk about you, and you are a lovely, delightful friend of mine. Thank you. And also a photographer as well. Mm-hmm. And I would like to talk, I would like to start out with the Mill City mm-hmm. Gallery and what I want you, us, to tell the story about how I didn't include you <laughs> in the um, the gallery. Because so I had Gene on the podcast mm-hmm. and I r- raved about his um, part in the show Mm-hmm. Um, with George Floyd called... It's called uh, Documenting a Reckoning, uh, the Murder of George Floyd. And the, the concept of the exhibition is photographs taken over the course of, of 2020 and 2021 from when he was murdered to the, the verdict. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, the, the gallery kind of tells a timeline of all of these photos. And there were about... 500 photographers that submitted a, a selection of their own photos um, of the, of you know, kind of what they captured throughout the event. And of those, I think 50 photographers got in, and of those, they only printed one image. And Gene and I happened to be in that same gallery. Yeah. Um, and I, I wasn't aware of who Gene was until I listened to Excelsior and got on your <laughs> podcast. And so... That was that was awesome to kind of you know get to know someone, hear their story, and, and kind of see their photo. Yeah. Um, within kind of that that week span, and um, you know I I guess I didn't do my due diligence in, in kind of saying that I was going to be a part of that too, mm-hmm. um, which is totally on me. And yeah, he didn't tell me. Yeah. So how how is a girl to know her friends <laughs> in a gallery if you don't tell them? Right. Yeah. 
And there was there was a part of me for a while that was a little conflicted about being included with that. Fifty mm-hmm. percent um, of it was a little bit of the, of the imposter syndrome because they had photographers there who worked for legitimate newspapers and, and Getty and the AP, and it was just kind of all of these these incredibly professional images across the board. And mixed in with that were photos that were taken by community photojournalists and, and a bunch of people that were yeah. a part of that together. And you know, me being a part of that, you know, I, I wanted to do that. It's part of the reason why I submitted the images to it. But um, the people that were uh, the judges for that, they had selected a pretty violent image of mine. And I'm... Violent. Right. It's it's a photo. Um, if you go see the exhibition, it's, it's a photo where um, there's there's some people standing in front of the, the burning Arby's uh, that caught fire next to the third precinct uh, the night that that was burnt down. And... It's it's there's flames, there's fire, and you know that was kind of the the, the couple of nights I was out there that I, I captured some of those violent images, and I I did that not really understanding the historical significance of it, but um, that was the one that the judges had selected of uh, like the seven images I sent in, mm-hmm. and a lot of those other images I sent in were not nearly as violent as as that one is in terms of like the the fire and, and the, the contrast of it all. And a lot of the other ones I sent in were uh, just photos of some of the some of the destruction in the aftermath, some of the, the photos, the community kind of rallying and helping clean up days after the riots had happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought that those would help kind of tell a larger story. And so I was initially a little disappointed when I found out that that one got in, mm-hmm. but also that it was going to be kind of the image that they would use to... Uh, showcase the event and so yeah. when they um, they put the photo in the Star Tribune uh, with my permission they, they posted a um, an image of it on like some of the different um, like walls as like advertisements and things mm-hmm. like that and you know at, at the time when all that was happening I felt as though as that was kind of a bad representation of me and who I am as a photographer because I don't typically take those uh-huh. kinds of, of photos but when I saw the the photo in the context of the entire gallery, I was much more okay with with how that looked and and kind of what that was. Because um, at the end of the day, like with historical photos like that, you kind of have to take yourself out of it. And yeah. like maybe there was a little bit of like an ego thing there where I just didn't like that that was representing me. Yeah. But having that be a part of the wall of images that have this timeline of, of events. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that that image made a lot more sense because now that helps kind of tell the entire story of what happened mm-hmm. and not just like the photos that, that I took personally. With right. It. So that's, that's part of the reason why I was a little quiet about it at first, because I just wasn't too on board with people showing up and, and, you know, just seeing that specific image. But now that I've kind of seen that, in the context of everything else and you know especially seeing just the the really awesome photos that are in that gallery mm-hmm. um like it, it makes a lot more sense now so that's part of the reason well why. i'm excited to see it i i mm-hmm. sillily sillily mm-hmm. haven't actually gone yet because mm-hmm. um gene wanted me to go with him yes and um our schedules just don't match up but we have another we're trying number three. Okay. Number we've had two dates to okay. try to like go together, mm-hmm. um, and then one of us had to work, and then now 
we're in when I get back from California, mm-hmm. I'll be going. Yeah, sweet. Too. Yeah, we have another date set. So okay. we'll keep trying. But if it doesn't work out, I'm just going to go by myself. That's fine. Because, yeah. yeah. It's going to be up in the Mill City Museum in Minneapolis until uh, June 5th is, is the last date that's there. So it's going to okay. go past Memorial Day. And um, definitely encourage you and, and many other people to kind of go out and, and see that. Um, all of the photos that are there are, are captioned, and the captions do a good job of kind of showing, you know, what the story is of the image and, cool. and why it's there. And so, so now, now you said you like it better that your photo is in the after seeing it in the gallery mm-hmm. with everybody else's because it's like like a, a piece mm-hmm. to a story. Right. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Okay. Right, yep. And so the, the, the concept of it is that it kind of tells a timeline of, of events that happened. And so mm-hmm. it starts like the first image in the gallery as you start kind of walking through it, it actually was taken like a few hours before George Floyd was killed. And it's just kind of like this this nice wow, uh, like what? Um, well it's not anything that like that is like a violent image but the idea is to kind of showcase like that it was on Memorial Day and so oh wow um, so it's it's a great image and then the rest of the photos kind of go into the context of you know some of the protests that happened some of the aftermath with a lot of that um, it even features some of the photos from the Dante Wright killed killing which had happened during the trial last year yeah and so and then it ends on the day of the verdict of that trial. And so there's there's plenty of photos there. I think about 50 of them were printed. Um, they have kind of a video slideshow of a lot of the other submissions to it as well. Cool. That you can kind of pause and, and look at. And so it's, it's, very, it's very eye-opening because, you know, for someone that, you know, a lot of us that were here in, in Minneapolis that kind of lived through that, mm-hmm. you know, we're kind of taking that day by day. And a lot of us haven't had a lot of time to kind of process everything that had happened. Right. And so I think this does a good job of putting a lot of what had happened in in the context and mm-hmm. actually starting to kind of tell that story from a historical aspect. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really very cool. Um, and I'm still kind of upset that you didn't tell me you're in that. <laughs> I know, I know. And it was... Did you... Now, how did you submit it? Did you just, like, see something online and, like, submit your photos or...? Yeah, so there was... Um, uh, a couple of years ago, there was a conference for photojournalists that the University of Minnesota put on mm-hmm. uh, called Northern Exposure. And I went to that, and I kind of followed that that group on various social media sites just because I... I Enjoyed attending that, you know, being around a lot of the professional photojournalists and kind of seeing, you know, what they know, taking some of the the classes, so to speak, and kind of getting a better understanding of, of, you know, what they kind of deal with when they go shoot something and and kind of what their rules and logistics are behind a lot of that. And they had uh, kind of posted that this was an an open exhibition that uh, you could submit photos to. I think it was some time back in, in... October, September of October of last year. And so I went through some of the photos that that I took and threw them in there. And, you know, I I submit to a lot of different kind of photo contests, you know, and like galleries and things like that. I typically don't get in, which is, you know, what I'm fine with. And so, um, but I just kind of threw these in there, not really expecting, you know, much to, to happen with that. And, you know, then I found out that one of my images had made it in. You're so modest. I know. <laughs> you really are. I love that. And it, and you shouldn't, it's, it, you have imposter syndrome, but you are really good at what you do. My mom yeah. is actually a really big fan of your work. Great. Um, she, she follows you on Instagram and she mm-hmm. told me, oh my gosh, 
Casey's really good. <laughs> I love his work. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's, you know, I'm not relatively well-known in the photography community, but, you know, one of my things is I, I like taking good photos and I like seeing them in galleries. Yeah. And I, I like being a photographer that I can kind of like, decide when I want to be and when I don't want to be a photographer. Yeah. And so like when I when I get an image into a gallery specifically, like a photographer's first instinct is like stand next to the photo the whole time and be like, hey, I, so that's mine. Hi. And so what is that their first instinct? I think so. Yeah. Because they want to tell everybody that this is their, their this image, is them. you know, and it's, you know, I've been to quite a few galleries where you know, people are, are just kind of waiting for someone to talk to them about their image. Yeah. You know, photographers can be kind of egotistical about that. Um, but with me, it's kind of like I, I like showing up and just kind of seeing how people react to different images. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I like standing 20 feet behind my image on the wall and watching people like in the stream of people kind of walk you get up the, you get the true reaction right yep and they you know they look at it they point at certain things they stare at it for a couple minutes and they move on to the next image and so and they don't know that it, it's mine you know and i'm yeah. i'm like i don't want to be someone where i have like people have to know it's me it's my mm -hmm. image or anything mm -hmm. like that i just want them to kind of enjoy it um but i kind of like standing and watching them you know even if they don't say good things about it just yeah. kind of seeing them react to that that image i love that mm -hmm. yeah because you if you do that yeah like i said you get the real reaction of what it is and stuff mm -hmm. um and then you actually ran into gene when you were there as well i did yep so i um i i didn't know he was actually speaking that night until uh, I listened to his episode yeah. on Excelsior. And so, and I, I listened to that, I think it was like the day before. Um, and, you know, can then kind of knew that like, oh, I gotta, I gotta meet this guy. And yeah. so I met him, you know, we shook hands. And the moment I mentioned you, it was like, oh man, I love Britley. And so, uh -huh. um, and so I told him, I, I, you know, I checked him out on the podcast and everything like that. Yeah. And so, and um, yeah, he's, he's a great guy. He took a lot of really awesome images. Um, and the one that he has up is is not too far away from where mine is in the in the context of the events, and so it was it was really awesome to kind of see that image there. And he talked, you know, that night about his experience and what that was like for him very around cool. that time. So it was it was very well worth kind of listening to that. And uh, for those of you browsing through podcasts online, mm -hmm. highly recommend going back after listening to this one and listening to, to Gene's podcast if you haven't already. It was really good. Mm -hmm. I feel like that was a favorite of mine. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Because he had a lot of really interesting information and mm -hmm. um and and just being um it was kinda cool just, you know, on the realm of talking about um George Floyd and then mm -hmm. we get into the like, you know, the race thing right. and being able to talk to somebody and being like as a white woman who yeah. doesn't fully understand like and having that open conversation um yeah. on air like mm -hmm. recorded is yeah. actually kind of nice yeah um, and it's, well. it was huge too because like even just listening to his experience with the the rodney king riots back in the early 90s you know mm -hmm. for someone that's been through that which is crazy too like yeah. the fact that he's from la yeah and then he comes out here so he got like to see both of them and those are both really significant oh for sure times for sure um, and being able to hear like his experience like firsthand experience with with both and kind of the differences and similarities between yeah. the two 
um, was was just huge because I, you know, I, I started kind of looking into a lot of that around when when George Floyd was killed, um, and you know, just being able to kind of hear firsthand from from him, like what kind of tied those two together, and like what what that experience was like on the front lines of both was mm-hmm. was really incredible uh, stories to hear. It really is, mm-hmm. yeah. Very and very similar, you know, reactions mm-hmm. to a horrible thing that happened, you know. For sure. So and that was one of the things that surprised me too, because I, I had watched, you know, I'm I'm too young for the Rodney King riot, so I, I have to say that I watched documentaries on it. Right. Um, and in doing that, you know, you listen to a lot of the protests in, in the streets and whatnot, a lot of the audio and the video from it, and it was it was crazy to me listening to some of that and hearing the same chants that people use today mm-hmm. when they protest. Like, none of that's new. It is very interesting, isn't yeah, it? Like, like that. It, in a, um, I guess, almost like a, yeah, it, it, mm-hmm. like a society way, like a right. societal like way. It's that, and um, that was so long ago, but yeah. also not really, but right. it was it was long enough to be like, how have we not gotten any yeah. further? Yeah. You know, how how have we not progressed? Like, why is this happening again? Right. You know, and that's the part, too, that kind of gets me. It's like, okay, we are doing the same thing. We are, like, yeah. dealing with the same issues. Like, what needs to change? Right. You know? It was, it was long enough ago, but, you know, more recent that it was still... It was in my, like, history textbooks when I was in school. And so, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. when I'm in, like, fourth and fifth grade... You know, some of those textbooks that you have only go up to like, you know, 1990. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. That's 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 all for history, folks. Yeah. But, you know, mine, we got like a newer batch that kind of goes into like the, the middle to late 90s. And that that featured some of that information that was there at the time. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're right. Like, it, it's crazy to me how long ago that was, but yet how kind of recent it, it, it seems at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously a reason enough for mm-hmm. somebody to have it in right. their lifetime. You know what I mean? So that, mm-hmm. to me, that's not that long. But also, it is. It's long enough to like change should have happened. Yes. It shouldn't have happened again. You right. know. So, um, yeah, it, those were some really crazy times. And you, so uh, me as a photographer, um, I liked. I like to do the daytime photos mm-hmm. and you kind of did both actually because I did mm-hmm. go daytime with you. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but um, tell me about the experience of being out there and shooting at night when everything was burning and like there's yeah. rioting and looting. It was it was really, really hard to, to see. And um, it wasn't something that I was prepared for at all. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the conferences that I attended, I mean, they, they talked about photographing during a protest and... and you know, kind of what to look out for, the, the high emotions that are there. And, you know, I had photographed protests before for Flano Castile and the, and the Women's March. And, you know, those were very peaceful mm-hmm. by, by comparison. Um, you know, the Flano Castile March did venture into like a, they walked onto the freeway for a little bit, but I, I ventured away from that um, at that point in time. And so, you know, this was something that, you know, I was walking into thinking that it was, another kind of a march or another just kind of a, a standoff mm-hmm. situation and had no idea until I got there that things were on fire. You mm-hmm. know, I, I showed up, I think it was Wednesday night and that's when 
some of the buildings surrounding the the third precinct had started to burn. That's when the AutoZone caught fire. Um, there was a an apartment complex that the city was building nearby that people had started to, to light on fire when I was there, and it was it was just incredibly crazy and incredibly kind of hard to see. And mm. you know, to say that I was out there and was completely calm is is just a completely untrue statement. Like mm -hmm. the entire time I was there, it was I was on my feet. I was constantly just kind of looking around and making sure that I was good at, at all times because mm -hmm. I, you know, I had work in the morning, you know, I worked a nine to five. Um, I was, um, on partial hours because of COVID at the time, but I still had to show up. And so I didn't want to get hurt. I didn't want to, you know, not show up to work the next day. It, it mm -hmm. had to be something where I needed to make sure I was, I was safe at all times. Right. And just, just being there and watching everything, you know, that was burning was really tough for like up close. Um, I think one of the things that kind of gets left out sometimes is the amount of time th things like that took. Um, cause like the, the target that was across from the third precinct that had been looted. Um, it took people like three days to loot that whole target. And, you know, you could go back to it, but it was, you know, you could show up at like one o'clock on Thursday afternoon and just walk in there and, and take what you wanted. And, um, go ahead. Did you go in there? I did not. And um, I remember, yeah, I remember this discussion with you. So I want to, yeah. I don't know if this is where you're going with yeah, this, but yeah, I would I like to there. touch base about yeah. the, um, the, the morals. So, so I'm going to pause. I, I don't mean to no, you're like fine. interject about my experience, mm -hmm. but I would like to say that during this time, I personally, didn't realize how many morals I had, like moral mm -hmm. codes that I like discovered I had. For sure. Um, and for me, even just going there was hard enough because I disagreed yeah. with what was happening. Yeah. Um, so I never went there at night because even capturing, like I knew that there's people out there capturing photos. Yeah. So for me to do it and like capture it, it would just be way too emotional and way too, I, I didn't want to be there. I wanted yeah. to help clean up during the day, but that's totally different. That's like, mm -hmm. you know, morals. And then watching live videos um, mm -hmm. that like friends would be posting of them going into Target and being like, I'm thirsty. I'm going to go grab myself a Red Bull. And they're like, yeah. on video, like incriminating themselves. Like, sure, everyone's doing it, but not mm -hmm. everybody is, like, recording themselves doing it. Right. Um, and they went in there and, like, took, like, I don't know, beverages and was like, okay, that's good. Everyone's doing it. But it's also, like, just because it's available to right. you, it doesn't mean that you have to go in and do that. Someone's right. going to do it, yeah. Someone's yeah. going to take that Red Bull eventually. But guess what? It doesn't... It's not an opportunity for you to do it. Right. If, I mean... That's just me. I mean, whatever. Mm -hmm. But, um, and I know we had that conversation. So um, yeah. knowing that you were there and you had that opportunity to do it, mm -hmm. continue. Right. <laughs> so, and, and I mean, you're definitely right about that. Um, my thing was, you know, I didn't want to take anything, but I yeah. wanted to, at, at first I wanted to go in and, and take photos because like how often do you see photos of like a, like just a completely this big mess of a target with empty shelves right. and that, and that would be building. really cool to see yeah yeah um you know and they have like the like the fire alarms going off 
all the sprinklers have like run out of water and so those are all you're dead. experiencing like one of those zombie films well, kind of yeah kind i mean of. it was a very destructive place you know in in person and you know i thought about the kinds of photos that you could take of like you know there was like a floodlight at the end of a like a row of aisles that were just completely bare and empty mm-hmm. and the whole thing was smoky because some part of it was on fire and you know having like a, a photo of someone at the end of that you know i was i was thinking really creatively about the kinds of images that you could mm-hmm. take inside of a abandoned target yeah and you know as i was standing outside the the door is kind of looking in and seeing people run around i was like you know the moment you step in there mm-hmm. you're no different than anyone else even if you don't take anything it's still it's still trespassing from mm-hmm. like a legal perspective, but you know everyone's going to be in there thinking that everyone's doing the same thing, yeah. and you have a camera, and if you're photographing people doing this, they might really hurt you if they're actually trying to take something, and that oh yeah I didn't you know think so of that. so my safety part of it as well because nobody wants to get photographed during like a crime. Right. People want to brag about it on social media, like you were saying. Um, and hope the cops don't see it, but nobody knows who I'm with. Nobody knows what I'm doing. That's true. You could take some amazing photos of that, but the second you get someone's face, that can be used against them for sure. For sure, yep. And, you know, there were so many, you know, times where I was photographing that night and and, in some different areas that people would put their hand up and say, hey, no photos. I'd be like, okay, cool, thanks. And I'd, I'd venture on to something else. Right. And so, you know, I... I, I definitely got that part of it in terms of, you know, my my safety going in there with mm-hmm. a camera. I feel like, you know, if I didn't have a camera, I could wander around in there as much as I wanted. But yeah. with with what I set out to do that night and, and taking photos and, you know, that's kind of what you were saying before in terms of, like, learning what your own moral code is. Like, yeah. as a photographer who's been in some pretty high-intensity situations like that, like, I, I like to think I knew where my limits were yeah. at the time. But that was kind of the first time that I decided, like, you know what, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do that. And I walked away from it. And, you know, I looked into some of those buildings. You know, I, I took a, I did take one photo outside of the target looking in from some broken glass. And that was, that was the only one I took of that kind of a situation, really. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm proud of that because it's, you know, a, a big learning experience. I felt like if I had gone in there and, and taken photos, I'd, I'd be, you know, kind of kicking myself now. But I and I'd feel like I'm a little bit of a different person. Well, here's the thing. Um, here's a little example. Mm-hmm. There was a car accident outside of my sister's house. Mm-hmm. They live on a street that's kind of busy. Sure. And it was a pretty bad car accident. Um, luckily, no one got hurt, but there yeah. was like children involved and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my sister and, you know, her neighbors and everybody kind of came out to help with this car accident. And the this guy who worked, I don't know if he worked for the newspaper, but, like, the the best photo of, like, you know, the first crime scene kind of right, thing. Yeah. Um, f- photographer came in, took photos while things were chaos. Mm-hmm. And then just dipped. And it was, like, super inconvenient, and he was in the way, and he didn't help at all. Like, he could yeah. have helped, gave a helping hand while he was there. But he got, like, a really good shot of the wreck and the kids crying and stuff and whatever and, like, turned it into the news. It's like, you know. Yeah. Um, but that, like, it was super obnoxious because, like, 
that's like what I mean by moral code. Like yeah. he came in for an opportunity. He's an opportunist. Like for a photo, even yeah. as a photographer, you being there can be a super inconvenience if it's yes. um the you know what I mean? Like it's such a fine line, especially with photojournalism, that yeah. like are you getting in the way? Could you maybe help? Like, you know, like yeah. could you be what what is your part? Like mm-hmm. you can get a really great photo, but what is your physical part of that? You know, are right. you disrupting other things? Are you putting, it's just all these things yeah. that you start to think about. No, and you're definitely right about that. And in terms of like the moral code part of it too, because like our, our instincts as, as humans is to rush in there and oh. help as much as we can. And is it? Mine is. Mine is too, <laughs> but I don't know that that's right. everybody Well, for, is. for a photojournalist oh. in, in, in this example, um, it, Sometimes it can be a part of a photojournalist code to not assist in a situation like that mm-hmm. um, because... That's not your job? Well, it, it, yeah, it's not necessarily your job, but there's a lot of, of rules when it comes to like what is and isn't considered photojournalism. Mm-hmm. And one of those is around the lines of... Um, it's not like the exact rule, but it's around the lines of like you cannot affect anything regarding how the photo gets taken. And so... Like if you go in there and uh, like, let's say that you help someone out of like a burning car or something like Mm -hmm. that. And then you take a photo of them like on the side of the road um, looking at their burning car. That to a lot of newspapers and a lot of publications out there is against their rules because Mm -hmm. you took them out of the car and you took that photo and you Mm -hmm. affected how that photo would look otherwise. So morally, that's like completely off base but you know well you should be like yeah i guess photojournalism is being a fly on the wall but um which is fine Mm -hmm. but at what at what point okay so we're Mm -hmm. using a burning car example and someone's in there you take your photo Mm -hmm. and then you help them right yeah you know I, i think you know my my thing is like technically like you know as long as you can help them after the photo gets taken you're fine if you do anything before that and then take the photo i don't know if that i guess even for me i don't yeah and i just want to point out like if i this see is... that someone needs to get out of a car i would not stop yeah. to take a photo and that's yeah that's the thing that's for sure and like that's my thing too and I, i'm not saying that this is like my my moral code where no. i would take a photo first and right. do that like i i'm just kind of saying that you know people these days sometimes have a big issue with that kind of a photojournalism because mm-hmm. of what they can and cannot do with that. And so, um, like, there was a photographer, uh, I forget the name, but he took kind of this famous photo of, like, a like a starving child in, in Africa. Mm-hmm. And the child ended up dying, like, a couple days later um, from starvation. And, you know, the photographer published that photo. It went everywhere. It was printed everywhere. He made a bunch of money from it, and he, he took his own life afterwards because he felt so guilty about who is this i i can't remember the photographer's mm-hmm. name but um it's, it's a pretty famous image of, of a child um and it was you know it was one of those things where like i thought about that kind of as i was photographing these events too because it was like i didn't want to be someone like that where i if someone was hurt or if someone was down on the ground struggling mm-hmm. you know i wanted to be someone that could still help yeah but it was, it, it's a very fine line to walk. And 
kind of like I was saying before, like people kind of have a big issue with that now because morally, like people are, are trying to get more involved with that in, mm -hmm. in terms of photography, which I think is kind of a good thing. Um, but there's, I think a lot of that too is, is kind of some old school, like photojournalism. I think mm -hmm. nowadays with how people consume images online and kind of what like photojournalists have become with doing things like photo and video, like uh, I think that's a big part that's going to change in, in years to come mm -hmm. where people are going to be able to have the ability to kind of help more regardless of what the outcome of the image is. So I guess that brings me to um, the idea that people have like access to phones mm -hmm. with um, with photos and videos, and you do see it becoming more of an issue, especially with like the younger generation that mm -hmm. has always grown up like let's capture, let's get the likes. Like it's mm -hmm. almost like a new form of communication, right? Because the more like digital virtual likes that you get the mm -hmm. more you feel fulfilled rather than like real life situations so i think yeah. it's starting to skew the idea of when there is something really big happening even if someone's in danger and they need help it's more about the views and the likes before right. that they help them yeah now i just know a few cases and it's just something that i've kind of worried about for mm -hmm. um society seeing i mean i know there's been like big cases like that girl who, I don't know if you follow, like, like on Netflix, there was a video of a girl who, I think, another country, but, like, she actually video recorded her friend getting raped mm. and didn't help her, but she was getting all these likes, and, like, she loved it and, mm. like, just kept filming this girl getting, like, her friend, mm. and then she saw these lawsuits and, you know what I mean, like, yeah. just this whole, like, there's a documentary on her and, like, all these things, and sure. it ruined her life because... Yeah you know, her friend pressed charges and like, I mean, yeah. that's a big deal. But yeah. like the fact that these kids are so not used to like, they're, they're so um, numbed by like, you know, they think that like likes are something, right. I don't know. Yeah. So my fear is that like not even, you know, just like journalists mm -hmm. or, but like everyday people like recording things and not actually helping right. a situation. Or it's, you know, it's like the people that, you know, buy a pizza for a homeless man just to do it on TikTok. Right. You know, that kind of a thing where you're, well, you're exporting that. I mean, yeah, it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, but, but um, when you're doing it just that you can show people clout? that you're, that yeah, clout? exactly. Yeah. Okay. And you're doing it for the so, clout as the younger kids would call it. <laughs> so, so, okay. So let's talk about that. So, mm -hmm. So if, so if if the I do I do see these videos of these guys mm -hmm. girls, um, mostly guys, yeah. <laughs> um, which is weird. Mm -hmm. um, that they they buy homeless people things and spend money on them and mm -hmm. stuff, and then they record it and they become TikTok famous. And, yeah. And I I would imagine their money like part of the money people donate is so that they can see them buy more gifts for these people. Is that kind of their thing? Uh, I haven't done that oh, much okay. of a dive into it. Oh, okay. Um, but, it, I mean, if that's the case, like, if they are continually helping these people, uh -huh. um, I feel like that's better. I yeah. don't know. Because, I mean, if the idea is to, is to spread awareness, mm -hmm. I feel like that's fair. Mm -hmm. If all your TikToks are, are, like, dances, and then you do one time where, like, you buy a homeless person a, a cheeseburger, uh -huh. and then you go back to dances, oh, sure. not on, like, I'm not on board with that. Is that a thing you've seen? Uh, I think people do that for, like, the, the 
the clout specifically. Sure. And like they'll see, you know, because you know, content creators by large, you know, they they use the same you know filters. They use the same audio for things, and so everyone's kind of on board with taking ideas and kind of making it their own with that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's probably people out there that see that, you know, there's a video that got 18 million views of someone buying a homeless person a cheeseburger mm-hmm. and recording their reaction to it and, you know, decide that they want to do something like that mm-hmm. to try and get just the likes sure. and then go back to doing whatever they were doing before because now they have, you know, 6,000 likes on one of their images yeah. or one of their videos. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, like that part of it, I'm not really okay with. But it, like, if your if your account or like if your um, entire goal with with your page is to spread awareness and and you know take donations that are exclusively used to help these people, uh-huh. then I feel like that's a little bit okay. Yeah. I I just don't overall like the idea of all of it being on on camera sure. and like being filmed. Like I think about it in terms of like. If, if I was on the street or uh-huh. if I was, you know, in that position, you know, would I be okay with taking a cheeseburger if I had two phones in my face the entire time? It's kind of like my question with that. I mean, if I'm, if I'm starving. I see what you're saying. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I guess, I guess, okay, so there's a few things that I think of. So consent. Right. I mean, do they get it? Or, like, I feel like it's just in their face. And yeah. a lot of times these people don't look um healthy because they're not mm-hmm. and um i know that if even if i was on the street on drugs i would definitely not want my video taken yeah. um so i guess that that point um i agree with but as as much as it is gross that people mm-hmm. are doing it for selfish reasons um i they're still doing it right yeah and, and i that that's the part that i kind of like like okay if this is going to get you to be famous, mm-hmm. but you're doing a good deed for somebody. It's gross, but you're still doing the good deed. But mm-hmm. um, I really do wish that people would just, you know, do good things off camera yeah. and not worry about it. But if they are recording it, maybe they're touching somebody else who can be like, oh, I never really thought about, like, yeah. helping a homeless person, which is crazy that yeah. people, like, have to think that. But, like... You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and obviously, like, there's a reason why that is kind of a trend. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, because it's, you know, someone did it at first and then other people were aware that they can do something like that. Yeah. It feels good. It's a feel good. Yeah. So that that part of it is, I definitely get that. And um, what was I going to say? I I think, like, you know, in in their defense, like, there Mm -hmm. is... Um, like a, a reward for it, mm-hmm. in, in quotes. You get the likes, and they, they get the food, mm-hmm. and everybody's happy. You know, at, I'd rather that. I'd rather see those posts mm-hmm. than some of the other things that I see. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot out there that just isn't isn't good content at all. Um, yeah. And so, like some of that, you know, like I said, is 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 good. And there's probably a lot of parts out that I'm I'm missing with it, but yeah. I think I think in general, like as long as you're doing it as like a main thing and not just to get like attraction. I feel like I feel like uh, right now it's so easy for somebody to make a video and post mm-hmm. it on Instagram or like TikTok. There's so many garbage posts yeah. out there. Like it's like <laughs> such garbage that I feel like in the future we'll like move into like having to have like cab drivers in new york like mm-hmm. a medallion to like actually that's what they're called right i think 
like a, a cab and like you have like a medallion like you can only um drive if you own one. Oh sure yeah because there's okay. so many of them okay that they have to like limit you know right yeah so i feel like you'll have to have like a, a, a video like to to actually like play the videos because mm-hmm. there's got to be some sort of regulation that's got to crack down you know what i mean there should sure. just be all these fucking videos <laughs> out there that are just nonsense yeah well and it's it's so easily accessible i mean there's probably like a 12 year old kid out there that knows how to edit on their iphone better than any of us combined and it, it's i one- mean or or a seven-year-old. Yeah, or a seven-year-old. <laughs> like, I feel um, like that's super easy nowadays. Well, my I, nephew teaches me how to, like, edit or, like, how to fix my own computer, and he's, like, eight, <laughs> so. <laughs> I think about it in terms of, the, like, you know, like, all of our experiences are based off of what we had when we were kids, yeah. right? And so, like, I got my first cell phone when I was 12. And so, like, now my baseline is, like, everyone that has a cell phone is, is has to be 12. So when I see a seven-year-old kid with a cell phone, I'm like, What? You're seven. That's crazy. And so that's like the, like the part boomer in me where it's like, you know, when I was your age, we had dirt to play with. We didn't have <laughs> iPhones. So. Did you have dirt to play with? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, when I was seven, our street was on construction outside of our house for a bit. And so. Oh, you I had, did. I had so you lots did have of a dirt lot of to dirt play to with. play oh, with. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that and that was over like uh, my summer vacation, too. So that was. Like that was the like the entirety of my just summer like vacation. the entire sandbox. The whole street was a sandbox. Pretty much, yeah. And I mean, I had to be careful because there were like a lot of a lot of machinery, a lot of machines, and like you know nails and um, things so like you, that. So you lived a dangerous childhood. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Did you have a lot of? Um, took a lot of baths. You took a lot summer. of baths. Yeah. <laughs> My mom didn't like how much laundry she did. Uh, um, what about, um, you get a lot of tetri- tetanus shots? I don't think I did. I mean, um, I'm sure you just got the regular amount. Probably. Probably your your USDA certified amount of tetanus shots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I did do, like, an allergy shot when I was a kid. You ever do it where they, like, lay you down on your stomach and they have, like... 30 different needles that have just a very slight dosage of various things you never could did be allergic that. to. Okay. Yeah, I've heard of that, but yeah. I've never done it. They did that with me, and I was allergic to, like, damn near everything. Everything. Everything like, that they put in, which is good wow. that they did it on my back and not, like, on my face or my arm or anything, because that, that would have been puffy for, like, a week. But um, that was when, you know, it made sense that I was allergic to, to cats and dogs and horses. And oh, wow. There's, like, a certain kind of grass. Are you a allergic kind to nail pal? I am. Oh, no. Um, but here's the thing. So, um, like, I can pet now. Yeah. And, you know, she can lick my, my hand and things like that. Um, the moment it, like, gets on my face or yeah. it gets into my eye, then it's ambulance time. Oh, ambulance. Uh, <laughs> like, that's not even, like... Well, no, I mean, it, it, get, it gets really, like, like puffy and, like, yeah. it's, it's an allergic reaction. I have reaction. that with cats, yeah. yeah. And so it's not it's, it's not actual ambulance time. Oh, my but. God. I'm like, that's a risky <laughs> thing because you've been around Nellie a lot. That's right, like, yeah. So her hair could be in the air. It yeah. could be floating around. Yeah. And, I mean, the thing, too, though, is, like, I grew up, we had, we had three cats oh, growing okay. up. And so, like, I was used to Claritin and Kleenex boxes and... You know, it was it was kind of a nightmare. You know, yeah. when I look back on it, I mean, I love cats. I loved them then. Love cats now, 
but I don't know if I'd ever do a cat again just because I know what life without that is like now. Yeah. Um, freedom. Freedom. Yeah. Like when I moved out into freedom my first apartment. Freedom to breathe. Yes. <laughs> uh, when I moved out into my first apartment and I didn't have to buy tissues and I didn't have to buy Claritin and I could like experience life like that, um, it was like this is it was like a whole new world. Whoa. You know, like this like, is crazy. Like that Aladdin yeah. The whole new world. <laughs> well, and the big thing too is like I like being able to breathe is such a huge thing. Like as a kid, like the allergies are so bad, I had like a nebulizer and things Aww. like that. And so, and so I mean, being without that for a year, you know, I could go, I could go on a run and not feel like I was killing myself. Or oh, I could go, yeah. I could do like longer distance bike rides and like be a little bit harder physically. Yeah. And that was that was huge because you know beforehand it was. If I went too hard, it was just like I'd, I'd like just breathe super heavily, and it would just take forever to recover. But now, now that I'm kind of free from that, it's it's a lot better to be able to do that. Nice, so, yeah. yeah. So no pets for you, maybe. Nope, no pets. Reptiles. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm getting some reptiles at my house. Are you? I mean, not by choice. Sure. My new roommate has some reptiles. Cool. That'll be cool. I I, I don't know. I was never like. I was never the guy that was into like lizards and snakes and things like that. Yeah. As a kid. Um, Same. Like I had, I had my cats and they were, they were fine. But you know, even nowadays they're kind of freaky. Not, cats? not the biggest. Well, I mean, reptiles. reptiles. Yeah. So not the cats are cats. still kind of freaky too. Yeah, they're freaky. Um, like one of those uh, hairless cats ought to be a reptile. I feel <laughs> like that's what they look like. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. They are. They're kind of. You're you. Yeah. Well, and, the, and I mean, cats were, you know, some of my favorite photo subjects as a kid when I oh, was really? kind of like beginning photography. Yeah, because they just laid around all day. Yeah. And it's like, all right, well, you're going to stay there and you're not going to move for like an hour. And yeah. so I'm going to go to like six different places with the camera and like photograph. It's funny. The cats. I used to photograph my dog. Yeah. Which is <laughs> because I love, and I love dogs. Yeah. It's like my first photo album, I put a doll under my dog's head sitting, and I was like, don't move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. That's I funny. suppose it's a lot easier with a dog, because like you can you can t- kind of tell them what to do. Like with If a cat walks up for me and walks away, it's like, all right, Bye. Great, great session. Thank you. Yeah, good session. <laughs> like photojournalism. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That is funny. I'm going to grab some water here. Okay. Hold on. Speaking of doggies. There's a cute little dog in the room, and she's doing yoga moves. <laughs> yeah, down dog. Big stretch. That was up dog. Shake it off, girlfriend. Shake it off. All right, we're back. We're back. Welcome back. Welcome. Welcome back. So your style of photography is mostly going to be... Um, like music and like it photojournalism. Is. Yeah, I'm I'm very good at, at events that I have zero control over photographing, and um, you're like a little fly. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so I that's kind of my specialty. I mean, I've gotten into some studio stuff before, but I I'm not good yet on kind of controlling a situation. Yeah. Um, you know, being with a concert. Um, photojournalism, you know, there's there's a lot of people that won't touch those kind of subjects because they want to have control over what that looks mm-hmm. like. And I guess it's it's kind of interesting because I, I photograph subjects 
in kind of both cases, concerts especially, where it, it looks like I have control over what what was happening on stage and, and things like that. But there's no way that you could. But there's no way that I could. Um, I mean, the one thing that I think is, is like the one move that, that people can do on stage is like when they see that I'm the photographer and they like walk up to me with the guitar and lean over and things like that. Like oh, that's that's yeah. the one time I think people can pose for me in, in that regard. I don't ask them to, but they, they do it. I make, I make do with that situation. Um, but everything else is, is completely up to them in terms of what they want to do and how they want to perform. And, you know, I, I make it look like it was taken in a studio or, or taken, yeah. um, you know, as, as a portrait. And so I... With, with, man, with manipulating um, where you're standing with the light. Right, yeah, where I'm standing, you know, the focal length, things like that. And so I think that's kind of what's led to, you know, it's not really my unique style, but kind of the style of concert stuff that I do is, is mainly making it look like a portrait. Uh, yeah. And when I had some prints up um, during Art Crawl a couple years ago, uh, it was, someone made a comment to me that kind of summed up what I did. And they said something like, like, you make people look like how they want to look on stage. And oh, like, that's a really I good like, compliment. That is it. That is exactly like I knew that that's what it was. I had never verbalized it. Like I that love before. that. But like the fact that they said that out loud, <laughs> and I had um, still don't know who they are or anything like that. But I, I told them I was like, "That is you, like you nailed it." I bet it. they were a musician. I, I bet yeah, they were. I bet they were. You have to, you have to have some insight to say something right. really profound like that. Yeah, I think so. Um, so hopefully they'll remember me and hire me for their I own know. stuff Holla. But, yeah um, do you make any money i know you worked for the show last night mm -hmm. but do you make any money not necessarily from from that i mean i i try and make money selling prints and things but it's, it's you know it's one of those where it's a really hard style of photography uh -huh. to kind of break into and make money i mean photography in general is tough but you know, you have things like, like weddings and, you know, families and seniors and newborns and kind of this whole spectrum of things that you can photograph mm -hmm. that people are constantly going to come to you and, and make money with. Um, but with, with concert photography, it's, it's tough because there have to be bands out there that are, you know, willing to, to kind of pay for that kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, and that are willing to take you, you know, with them and, and develop that kind of a style. Um, and so you have to, you kind of really have to kind of earn that trust instead of being, you know, like a, like a banner ad on Google or something. So, <laughs> yeah. And there's so many photographers, you there know, are, it's yeah. very oversaturated. Yeah. So how do you, how do you try to stand out? Um, that's a great question. I think a lot of it is just really you know, how, how you make other people kind of look, you know, there's a lot of people that go into concert photography, you know, myself included, like we kind of know what photos we want to take depending on who's playing, depending on kind of what we see. Um, and what, uh, uh, what maybe the bands like posted online before. Like I do, I do a lot of research for that mm. kind of a thing. And, you know, I kind of, my style is mainly based on kind of what happens. You know, I, I kind of go into a, like the photo pit with an idea of what I want to capture kind of oh, based wow. on a lot yeah. of the research I've done. Um, for budding, you know, uh, concert photographers out there, that's, that's my number one tip is like, do your homework. Mm -hmm. Um, because 
you know, it kind of ruins the show a little bit if it's like your favorite band, but like you can go online and look up like the previous night set list. Yeah. And you know, nine times out of ten the band is out there doing the same songs every night. Yeah. And so you learn the set list, you make a Spotify playlist with those three or four songs that you're gonna photograph. And you know, I learn where, you know, okay, this at this point in the song there's a guitar solo. So where's that guitarist on stage? And I look mm -hmm. at photos, I'm like, okay, so he's gonna be there. So, you know, I know when when this line happens to move over in the pit to try and get in front of this guitarist to yeah. get him just rocking out. And so if you can do, you know, your research like that and kind of know where to be, you know, your photos are always going to be really good because you're going to get the spot that maybe people aren't paying attention to. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if so you know, kind of steps ahead of them knowing yeah. when like. So you kind of have to dive into their music mm -hmm. and watch live concerts and, right. and stuff. And, like, that leads me to the next point where it's just, like, you know, people have their phones up in concerts and just record the whole time. And they record videos of, you know, on their phones and whatnot. And there's a ton of controversy out there about well, whether you should do that or not. Like, mm -hmm. are you really going to look back at it? It's like... I will watch your concert videos online because I am doing research. <laughs> you know, I may not necessarily enjoy it, but if I can figure out like what the stage looks like and like where to be, how will, they are set up right, and their lighting. Yeah, and I will. I what will. What to be prepared for? That's kind of cool. Exactly. Wow. I will. I will watch that. And you're right because a lot of it's you know about kind of being steps ahead, but kind of knowing you know where to be too. Because if if yeah. you know the other photographers are all grouped around the lead singer. Yeah. And you know that he's not the one that's going to do that that solo. Yeah. Then it's going to be tricky. Or if you know like what part in the song he's going to belt that high note. Yeah. You know, then it's, you know where to stand to get a, a good angle for it. And so I try I try not follow the crowd that moves around in in the pit too much. But I, um, I do my best to make sure that you know my photos are kind of mine and that I have, just kind of a unique angle or unique style of the images to it. Cool. Yeah. That's fun. I love concert photos i yeah. love doing them as well they're they're, they're very a fun. blast i yeah. mean you know it, and it it never fails like you know i get a little stage fright every time i go into the pit you know and or like as i'm waiting to go it's in. almost like a competition with everybody in there it, it can be sometimes yeah i mean the the way i kind of see it though is everyone is, is working for their own like publication mm -hmm. or they're working for the venue or or the band and whatnot and so um, since they're all kind of on their own like gigs, it's not like you're going to take anyone else's like job or anything with that. Totally. And so, yeah. you know, I look at it and, you know, a lot of us like now have really kind of started to get to know each other and like we follow each other online and like each well, other's that's cool. images. So you're and like so, friends with most of the guys. Yeah. There. Most, yeah. Most of the people like nowadays, I mean, especially after COVID because when all of us got, you know, shut down and there weren't any concerts, like, you know, we're all trying to figure out what to do. And so many of us kind of started connecting and getting to know each other and, and things like that. Um, and even with like, like new people that show up and, and talk to us and, you know, they'll say like, well, this is my, my first show at first Avenue. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like, welcome to the club, pal. Um, and like we, we have an idea of what we're doing mm -hmm. and, you know, I try and know what I'm doing, of course, but, uh, a lot of it is, you know, just giving some tips and helping them around and things like that. Oh, so that's cool. Yeah, and so I try my best. I mean, there there used to be kind of this big stigma, and maybe there is elsewhere in the country of, you know, we're all bumping shoulders in the pit and trying to take each yeah. other's spots. And, you know, I, 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 I don't sign on to that anymore. It's just like, you know, we're all here to take photos. It, it's 
fine if it's the same photo that yeah. you have someone else. Like I, I love going online and seeing like different angles of the same shot that I have from like the yeah. other end of the stage. And it's just kind of like, it's like piecing together like a puzzle in a yeah. way because like it's, it, you know, everyone has their own unique styles to it. And it, it's really cool to kind of see the creativity and, and talent that's yeah. out there for sure. And so I, I used to think of it as a competition, you know, maybe a while before COVID, but you know, that, that all kind of changed when I realized how delicate a lot of that is mm-hmm. and just started to kind of recognize how talented everyone else out there is. Yeah. So I There's love it. a lot of talent and that's why I do my podcast too. It's like, yeah. you know, I really enjoy seeing what other people do and, you know, you're a photographer, I'm a photographer, Jean's mm-hmm. a photographer, like Alex is a photographer, yeah. you know. And we don't have to be against each other or try to be the best. I think we should all come together because we're all just artists. And the world that we all see is going to be slightly different than anyone else. And um, I think it's beautiful. I think so, yeah. And a lot of people are weird about that. But um, I really think coming together with people is really great. Yeah. And I mean, it's a very... Photography can be a pretty fragile profession, I feel. Because, like, to me... A lot of times when I get paid for photography, like it, it kind of feels like I'm robbing a bank in a way. Um, <laughs> not necessarily is it like I'm, I'm stealing from someone, but in the fact that like, like I'm getting away with with making money from doing this. It's because you're an imposter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I got found out. <laughs> that's the silliest thing yeah. I've ever heard, Casey. Well, it, I mean, that's it, it's kind of like an adrenaline rush in a way. Mm-hmm. Like when someone when someone does that, when someone walks up and they're like, "Hey, we want to pay you to take photos," or when they they buy some of my my art. Mm-hmm. You know, for the longest time, it wasn't something that I felt like was something that you could make money with. Mm-hmm. And so when when people come up to me and they are willing to fork over their hard-earned cash mm-hmm. and and pay for for what i produce like that's that's something that i don't think is ever going to be i don't think i'll ever get used to it mm-hmm. in a way um it i mean it's really exciting each time and so like the robbing a bank analogy like i said it's not because i feel like i'm stealing from someone but it feels just kind of like um it's kind of like after you rob a bank, I guess, to be more specific. Yes, you like, didn't deserve it. Yeah, like when you're standing in That's like crazy, the... That's crazy, Casey, you deserve it. <laughs> when you're you standing in like penny. the sewer tunnel sure. and you, you you rip off like the ski mask and like you realize that you did it. You know, that's that's kind of... The, that's that's the feeling that I'm, that I'm talking about. Um, um, that's that's so silly because you're not robbing anybody. <laughs> right, yeah. You it, are well deserved that money. Hey, right. Um, I'm going to take a hard... A hard switch here. Okay. Let's talk about your favorite food. Favorite food. Favorite food is plain cake donuts. All right, let's try those. So, yeah. Let let's me, grab them. Let me grab them here. And where did you go to get them? Um, so I went to Grandma's Bakery in White Bear Lake um, to get... This morning? This morning. So they are freshly baked. My well, gosh. I know. Um, and so it's... Love Grandma's Donuts. Um, if if they are willing to sponsor the Excelsior podcast, um, hit us up. Yeah. Uh, and well, I'll hit them up. Yeah, and we'll <laughs> gladly take your donuts and anything we'll, else we'll you've got. We'll take all your cake donuts. <laughs> well, let's try them. Yeah, let's, let me, let's 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 try yeah, them out. Let me grab them here real quick. I put them the furthest spot away from our little table here. Now you can't have donuts. Now sugar is not good for doggies. It's not good for us either, I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, I shouldn't be having it. That's chocolate. I got some chocolate just in case. I'm so excited. I know. Oh, thank you. So, here's the thing about 
plain cake donuts. Well, they have coffee with us. Right. Coffee I mean, here, that's but... that's the important part about plain cake donuts. Do we, is do we need to brew some coffee? If you want. Do you want? Yeah, we can do that. All right. I think it's a good coffee donut. So I don't have. I don't have a clean mug. I just have the one I've been drinking out of. Are you okay with that? We'll just she split it into a yeah. cup. Or do you want me do to that. go wash it? No, we can do that. It's That's better fine. than the paint cup. But yeah. Okay. All right. No worries. Okay. Sorry. All right. We're going to, um, I'm going to turn this off actually. Just okay. to pause. We're at one hour. Eating. Okay. Well, I couldn't wait for the coffee. I had to start eating this donut. That's fire. Yum. Mm -hmm. This gets smacky. I'm going to start making content yeah i mean you don't have to hide your face in this video oh no too late i'm here with hat man <laughs> howdy mm. Mm. do we smell coffee i smell the coffee and that mm. like the aroma of the coffee with the taste of the plain mm -hmm. cake donut makes this all like i'm like i just need to smell the mm -hmm. the food and the coffee mm, i'm good yeah that's um that's how i do it yeah I feel like it's uh -huh. like 7 a.m. right now. <laughs> and we're waiting for breakfast. Mm. Chowing down on plain cake donuts and waiting for coffee. Plain. But you said you got one with chocolate. Can we try those too? Mm -hmm. Can we split one of these? Can mm -hmm. we really get into it? Go for so it. We also have some chocolate. Oh, I love chocolate. Mm hmm. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yep. Mm hmm. So, if anyone thinks I should start an OnlyFans of me eating all the guest food, or maybe me and the guests, but I feel like if the guest is involved, that gets a little weird, because, like, mm -hmm. you know, I'd have to, yeah. it would have to be just me. Mm -hmm. So, if anyone is interested in signing up for an OnlyFans of me eating food... Um, let us know in the comments below. Yeah, let let me know. Yeah, let, let her know in the comments below. Can I'm you not, just not hide your face for this video? Because, I mean, this is like, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, let me know because I could totally do that for you. Yeah. Uh-huh. This is so good. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. You want some of the chocolate? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to go get coffee. Go for it. My dog is so not happy about this situation. Yeah, I always feel e guilty eating but, around dogs. Let's just spill on my Alexa. Sorry, Alexa, can you still breathe? Sorry, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know if you're <laughs> sure either. I just spilled coffee all over you. Alexa, can you still breathe? Alexa, are you okay? She's, uh, the little halo thing is all red. I've never seen that anywhere, that ever. Her. Oh. Alexa? Alexa, are you okay? So far, the Friday's been fantastic. Oh, God. Alexa, do you like coffee? I run on a different kind of Java. Ha 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 ha. Oh, I'd love to hear your coffee joke. Alexa, tell me a coffee joke. What are the two things you do after drinking a big cup of coffee? No. Number one. And then number two. <laughs> I knew it. It was a poop joke. She's good at those. Yeah. Good for her.
<laughs> that made the like the worst sound on putting, here like putting, I know. putting it down on the table that's why like, i gave you that table but yeah. um i guess uh here we are all right did you stop this or? i did not it's still going oh, we're at like shit. three minutes okay ready all right so here we are i'm with casey carlson Howdy. and he is a an amazing photographer um the second amazing photographer the first being me oh yeah um <laughs> yeah i've tried to top brit not happening <laughs> well let's not go that far let's not get <laughs> let's not get crazy here all right cheers cheers and to, cheers. Uh, cheers Ooh, we got coffee careful it's hot fresh brewed coffee do we can we dip it? Uh, that is up to you. I am an anti-dipper, but I do mm. not look down on those that do dip. Mm. So, good. Mm. That is good. Is it? Good. Yeah, some good stuff right there. Mm -hmm. Well, this has been really great. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Donuts and coffee. Man, do cops even like this? Because I know they have, like, they're known for liking this, but I mean... Mm -hmm. I like this. I think they like pizza now. I think that's, mm. you know, because there's millennial cops. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I think they like pizza or pizza rolls or something now. Huh. The cops that like donuts are all retired. I like donuts and mm. coffee. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah. Mm, this is really strong coffee. Yeah. No, it's that's way I like it. Put a little hair on my chest here. Yeah. Now you can't have any. The one thing I will say about plain cake donuts and like donuts in general. <laughs> I lost my donut. What do I? What do I do? Oh my god! I, this is a phenomenal <laughs> look on your waste face. of donuts. Do I, I mean, just do I just have, dive we, in? We have like you know like three more, but do I? I'm gonna die. All gonna, right. Whoa. Oh, I don't think that's savable. No. Mmm. If coffee was edible, this is just what it would be now. <laughs> I think I think I lost it. Here, where's that chocolate one? Well, can I we still have it? the other half of the chocolate, but can there's I have more a bite chocolate in there. Not? Yeah, you can have this one back if you want. Okay, well, I just want to bite. Oh, go for it. Okay. It's all you. Okay. <laughs> That's why I'm an anti-dippers, because you, you, there's a lot of risk involved. <laughs> I wasn't prepared. That's fair. That's fair. You want that bad? No, I'm good. I'm going to finish this one. I'm going to finish this one. I think I like the chocolate better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What I was saying before we lost our donut is... Do we have a funeral? No. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a wake. Um, uh, donuts in general, plain cake especially, uh -huh. are best served hot you ever had hot or like warm donuts mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. it's like a completely different experience with donuts like i never had donuts that were like fresh out of the oven or like like hot uh until like a couple years back uh, uh -huh. and it was the best donut i've ever had mm. and so it's it's like eating cold pizza now to me it's like doing this is like eating cold pizza like mm -hmm. it has to be fresh out of the oven like hot um i actually bought I got six donuts in the bag. I bought seven this morning because they were fresh hot out of the oven. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And so I had to have that one mm -hmm, before mm -hmm. I... So I know it's like, don't get high on your own supply of donuts here. But like I had to, I had to do it. <laughs> so 
Don't you look at me, girl. She can't have chocolate. Yeah. That's too bad. I, like, I think about, like, what they're missing out on mm. in life. Like, if dogs could have chocolate and not, you know, not have any of the repercussions for it. Mm. I, I, I'm going to be honest. Mm-hmm. I think we're missing out on their life. Think about all the That's things fair. we don't do. Yeah. We don't know how buttholes could actually smell good. <laughs> I, I'm not missing out on that at all. <laughs> that you know of. That I I, I know of. Um, I'm not <laughs> missing out on that at all. Um, but I, like, I'm missing out on, like, being able to go to, like, a dog park and just run around full speed for, like, an hour. I know. Like Could that. you imagine running with two other legs? Yeah. That, you know, because we try that when, like, we're kids. We're like, oh, I'm a dog. And then, like, you're, you're like, five and you're trying to run through the yard on, like, all fours. And, yeah. And, like, you just topple over and crash. Yeah, it's not, it's not the same effect no. at all. No. No. Okay, I'm going to stop this video. Okay. Oh, maybe it did stop. No, yeah, I it stopped, stopped it. Oh, it stopped on its own. I just stopped it. Oh, it did? Yeah. We didn't record any of that? No, I think it was recording, but it stopped. I think it stopped at a certain point. It was probably when you said that you uh, wanted to know what buttholes smell like. I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I said maybe we're missing out. Oh, I don't think any of that recorded. Dang it. Here we are. Well, we recorded voice. Yeah. That's fine. You'll just have to see my reaction uh, when she said that, when the donut fell, or hear my reaction when the donut fell into the coffee mug. God, we missed that reaction, huh? No, it should be there. Yeah, I, it was like it's like a five-minute video, I think. So, like, I don't know. If, oh, like, my phone says record. I'm running out of storage. Oh. So maybe it did cut out. I have to delete some things. Maybe. Yeah. Oh wow, we woo. <laughs> I take a lot of photos. Maybe I should yeah. just reset my phone because doesn't everything just back up on Google anyway? I, it kind of depends. Um, I learned recently that my iCloud, I thought my iCloud had previous versions mm-hmm. of like photos to it. Uh, yeah. It, it does not. It, oh. it basically just backs up whatever I still have saved on my iPhone. And oh, the okay. moment I delete it from the iPhone, it gets rid of it on the iCloud. Oh. So I don't know if there's a way to change that or if that's what's supposed to be happening. But heads up to all you iCloud users out there. If you're looking for a photo that you took in 2015 that's not on your iPhone anymore, you might want to check and make sure it's still online. So. iCloud uh, kind of sucks, huh? Yeah, it, it kind of does. I mean, especially now that they're, they're like charging for storage now. <laughs> um not a fan of that so i just kind of go with whatever i still have on my phone and whatever gets deleted is gone forever Ugh. so not a dang. huge deal dang 90 well. percent of my icloud is like photos of carpet um from like when i was at when i was a carpet cleaner when you were a child yeah <laughs> well when i was a carpet cleaner as a child yeah, yeah. And no so, um, <laughs> you work for zero res do you know there's a lot of comedians that work for zero res yeah the tons they all do the the uh, like Acme the monday night comedy show at, night? on spring street oh yeah so, yeah what the heck yeah what the heck and they all work in the call center <laughs> and so it's not even like the, any of the technicians they're not funny it's all the call center people that are yeah funny. why are they f- <laughs> ugh you got to be funny to clean carpet, I guess. You got to have a sense of humor about it, I, I think, because, you know, it, it's a weird job to have. It, it was fun when I was there. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, you got to have, I think you got to have a good sense of humor to come back at the end of the day and joke about all the, the dog urine that was in, a, in the carpet. Yeah. So. 
it's a very satisfying job too. You know, you ever seen like like the power ASMR. washing videos? It's like very ASMR. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's it's visual ASMR. So V A S M R. V A S M R. Yeah. Because um, like you're doing it, like you can see the difference as you're like bringing the wand down, like the difference in color between the yeah. carpets. Like those are my favorite days. Is like when you get three houses in a row where it's like you can see just how clean you're making <laughs> the carpet. It's like that that made the job worth it every day of the week. In Casey Carlson, who I'm honored to be sitting next to right now, let let me tell you about let me tell them about you. Yes. Okay. So he is my favorite customer service guy at White House Custom <laughs> Color. He does a really good job. He works at White House, which is a photo lab, um, mm-hmm. professional photo lab out in Egan here in Minnesota. And anytime I have a problem with my prints, Casey is the best. Mm-hmm. He always gets the job done. And Casey loves Leaning Tower of Pizza. Mm-hmm. His favorite Leaning Tower of Pizza, pizza, <laughs> pizza, pizza, is uh, the the Cuban, mm-hmm. which is also one of my favorites but it's it's like a it's got pickles and ham and the um where the tomato sauce is it's just mustard yeah um so there's a mustard sauce base to it i don't know correct pizza terminology but i feel like that's yeah it's a mustard sauce base um delicious pizza and and you guys at leaning tower are the only ones that do that as far as Mm -hmm. i'm aware i have not been able to find another place that does cubans um, or Cuban pizza. And so that is, anytime I sit down there, it's like, I love restaurants you can go to, you, you already know what you want. Yeah. You don't have to sit there for a half hour and like love go through it. four menus. Like that, that's part of the reason why I <clears> like <throat> the towers. Cause I know, I know what I want every time I, I'm on my way there for it. So. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of which we should do that soon. Sure. Cuban sounds good. For sure. It sounds so good. hundred percent. One hundred percent. hundred percent. One hundred percent Cuban pizza. Um, <laughs> Okay, let's do an outro. Okay. It doesn't have to be as long. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Um, should I start off the outro this what, time? What do you typically do for like an outro? I'll start it. We'll okay. just improv it. Just vibe. Yeah. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Excelsior. That was Casey Carlson, the the baddest b- bitch. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> I haven't left. You're talking about this like I left the room, and you're like you're gonna sit here and like talk shit about him now. He's like, that guy's sucks. He's such a badass. No, I was trying to. You're 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 a badass. You're a you. badass photographer. Thank you. And my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. And thank you for being my friend and for having me on on the podcast. It was awesome. Long time coming. It's the second time coming. Second time, yeah. So if you guys want to see my Instagram, go to my Instagram, mm-hmm. and you can see our first one. I had a cowboy hat on. Yes. I um, I set up a tripod with a selfie stick on it um, to like so that I wasn't like holding my phone the whole time. <laughs> and so like I really did my best to like have that be a very professional setup. So uh, we, work, we worked hard at it, for sure. <laughs> and I just want to say a shout out to Carlos for creating some negative chaos. <laughs> Carlos, you're ridiculous. Legally, I'm not allowed to comment on this subject. All right. So. That's it. We'll see you soon. Carlos. See you soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>